we are going to be looking at a new series. We're going to be looking at uh, profiles and character for uh, a period of time this summer, and we're going to look at various personalities in the Bible and, and some things that we can glean f- f- from, both good and bad. And uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, David and Absalom. We're going to be looking at a father. And uh, some of the mistakes that David made that uh, as men, as dads, uh, we can avoid if uh, we're going to have that positive influence on our families, families' lives. But before we get into the passage this morning, let me just share that uh, there are some needs that have popped up this week in our church. Uh, we have some families who uh, are in crisis right now, uh, crisis financially that were unexpected. And we helped one of those families uh, Friday afternoon, and uh, and we have a benevolence fund that addresses these needs. But uh, right now, that benevolence fund has gone in the hole due to the help that uh, we we needed to provide for this family. And so, if if you're um, able and can help uh, contribute to the uh, benevolence fund this morning. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. You can use the envelope in the pocket in front of you and just write benevolence, and we'll make sure that it gets to the appropriate place. And uh, then also, there's another need, and uh, I mentioned this in uh, the message last week as I was casting vision about uh, a life group room that uh, we're wanting to create in our building. We have some home groups that uh, it's difficult for them to meet in a home because of all the children that are part of that life group. And so they've been longing for a place where they can meet down here and take um, take advantage of the child care that we could make available. And so we're creating a, uh, we're remodeling the kitchen and room next to it, the uh, G2, into a home environment that is going to be very beautiful, very inviting, and is also going to serve for nursing moms. We've got a lot of uh, mothers right now are giving birth, and uh, this is going to be a place where they can go and continue to watch the service, but uh, nurse their, their babies that need to be fed. And so that will take place on Sunday morning. We don't have a capital gifts campaign or fund taking place right now, but we would we want to address this issue, and we have the budget funds to be able to do this, but if you would like to gift something towards this uh, remodel, uh, then we could save our budget funds for other needs that will pop up. But uh, this, is a, this is a need right now. We're going to be done with this project by the middle of August. And if you uh, are willing, can help for, with that project, that would be uh, most appreciated. All right. Well, our pastor, we're not re- going to be reading a particular passage this morning, but I'm going to be going to be speaking from 2 Samuel uh, chapters 12 through 19. And so you can turn there and kind of peruse as I uh, address this this uh, passage this morning. But we're going to be looking at David and Absalom and uh, and his family. Um, you know, the Bible describes, God described David as a man after God's own heart. 
David was a wonderful king. He had a heart for God. He wrote many of the Psalms. Uh, God had blessed uh, David's leadership as king of Israel. And we know lots about David's life. But as we look at his family life, particularly what happened after his encounter with Bathsheba in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12, David's, David's family life was highly dysfunctional. And uh, as we get into this uh, passage this morning, uh, chapters 13 through 19 come on the heels of uh, David's encounter with Bathsheba and then him uh, killing uh, Bathsheba's husband or having him killed uh, following the announcement that Bathsheba was, was, was pregnant with David's baby. And, uh, and that incident uh, led to a great deal of disaster in David's family life. And, you know, as you read chapters 13 through 19, uh, there, there are some things that David could probably have avoided had he done them, uh, the three things that I'm going to share with you this morning. Um, and hopefully... The things that I'm talking about this morning are going to encourage us, particularly as fathers. This message applies to moms as well, but will help us as fathers as well as we cast that shadow across our children's lives. Um, The first thing that I want to point out that uh, David didn't do in chapters 13 through 19 with his family and particularly with his sons The first one is this. David avoided transparency with his sons. Um, Again, chapter 12, David has an encounter with Bathsheba. He has an adulterous affair. Bathsheba is married. And David invites Bathsheba into his home. And they have sexual relationships relationship, David sends Bathsheba on her way. Well, a few weeks later, Bathsheba comes back to David and says, David, I have news for you. I'm pregnant. And this pregnancy is your responsibility. I am carrying your child. Now, how did she know that? Because her husband was off to war. And so David came up with this scheme to have Uriah, her husband, killed. And when Uriah was killed, David invited Bathsheba into his home to become one of his wives. And David, in his heart, thought that that had settled it. He had put everything to rest. But he didn't pull the wool over God's eyes. And we're very familiar with this story. And God brought it to David's attention. And when God brought it to David's attention, David repented. But it just didn't stay there. Everybody knew what David had done. All of Israel had known of this secret thing that had taken place. 
Even his children most likely knew of this episode. But as you read chapters 13 through 19, Scripture doesn't indicate that he sat down with his boys and said, Guys, let me tell you about the mistake I made. Scripture never indicates that David was transparent with his boys. And and dads especially. If we're going to have an influence in our children's lives, it's okay to be transparent. Our children already know that we're not perfect. But when we take the time to become vulnerable, particularly in times when they are stumbling, that is going to speak volumes in their personal life. We don't get the impression that David was ever transparent. David tried to hide it. David tried to put it to rest. David thought he had put it to rest. But don't let the enemy convince you that when you disobey God, that there are not going to be consequences to that behavior. There are going to be consequences. I, as I was uh, studying for this message this week, I came across um, an interview that Adam Sandler, a comedian, a famous comedian today in today's culture, particularly with the younger people, he was, um, he was uh, promoting his, an album, that comedy album that was coming out. This was prior to uh, the birth of his children. And uh, talking about the relationship with his wife and the children on the way, and, and uh, his wife was was wanting him to kind of change his vocabulary because they were soon to have children and she didn't want that influence on her children's lives. And he kind of talked about that, thought it was funny and was thinking to out loud with the interviewer saying, you know, when my kids come of age, they'll probably listen to uh, these recordings and uh, they'll know who their real dad is and kind of laughed it off. But, you know, but he knew that his influence, his behavior was going to influence his children. Even people who don't know the Lord know that Bad behavior has consequences uh, for those who are following behind us. And here, this uh, person who doesn't know the Lord, uh, he's just going to continue that lifestyle um, and, and make money off of it and not change. But that behavior has consequences. And how much more so for us who know the Lord Jesus Christ. David knew that he had hurt people. David knew that he had hurt, he had damaged his fellowship with God. And that's what Psalm 51 is all about. David repenting, God, David sharing his heart with the Lord. And this is what David says in, in Psalm 51, verses 12 and 13. He says, Restore to me 
the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. But he never did that with his own sons. As far as we know from chapters 13 through 19. David was never, he wasn't transparent about his sins. Dads, I'm not telling you to, to just uh, blab out everything. But when your children are struggling, when your boys are struggling in particular, We weren't perfect either. And that is a wonderful opportunity for you to be humble, to you to be vulnerable and say, let me share with you my struggles and how important it is to nip this in the bud now, young man. I remember those conversations with my boys. And I'm sure they remember them too, but there are conversations that I will never forget. And it's an opportunity to influence. David was never transparent. A second thing that we see in David's relationship with his children is David avoided the sin of his children. Here we see in chapter 13, all that transpired transpired between David and Bathsheba in chapter 12. Now we come to chapter 13, and and it's a story of uh, Amnon and uh, and Tamar. Uh, Amnon was um, the half-brother of of, uh, uh, Absalom and Tamar. You say half brother. How many half brothers did uh, David? David's did uh, the siblings have? I'm, I'm not sure. David had at least 18 wives that we know of. You know, David was in a polygamous relationship. As we read the Old Testament, there's a whole lot of polygamy that's going on. Did God condone this kind of behavior? No. Scripture never indicates that God condoned it. He allowed it. But this wasn't his, his, his um, intention from the very beginning when he made Adam and Eve. God intended for a marriage relationship to be, to be between one man and one woman. But for reasons that we don't fully, aren't fully aware of, God allowed polygamy to take place in the Old Testament in particular. and But as a result of this, there were a lot of consequences with that kind of lifestyle. And so here we see Amnon, who is in love or in lust with his half-sister, Tamar. And he wants to have a relationship with her. And so he... Um, he, he comes up with a plan to um, take advantage of her. And uh, following that episode, Amnon didn't want to have anything to do with Tamar, and Tamar's life was destroyed. Well, uh, 
Absalom, who was the brother of Tamar, uh, became infuriated about what his half-brother had done. In fact, David had become aware of this. And the Bible says that David became angry. And that's all David became was angry, but he didn't do anything about it. And this further infuriated Absalom. And so Absalom was going to take matters into his own hand. And so he conceived a plan to have his half-brother murdered. Boy, like father, like son. Just one chapter later, this is taking place. And so uh, Absalom, having uh, murdered his half-brother, uh, he flees and he goes to um, his grandfather's uh, up in uh, north, the northern territory, east of the uh, Sea of Galilee, and he stays there for three years. David knows where he is. David knows where he's, he's living. But David never does anything about the situation to reconcile things. And so three years later, through a series of conversations, um, uh, Absalom comes back home. And he lives near his father's house, but Abs- or David never speaks to his son, never seeks to reconcile this relationship with Absalom. And so here we see David's life, and it is nothing but passivity. David is doing nothing about uh, um, confronting the sin of his children. And in um, church, if, if we're going to influence, moms and dads, if we're going to influence our children in a positive way, if our homes aren't going to be dysfunctional, you know what? We need to confront sin. When we see bad behavior, we don't need to be turning the other cheek and, being, and convincing ourselves, well, kids will be kids. No. We need to do something about it. And that's one of the things I appreciated about my wife and my kids growing up. You know, when we were um, serving on staff at the church in, in uh, San Bernardino and our kids were really little, little you know, my wife um, was very sensitive to our children not running in church. And when she saw our children running, I mean, she would, she nipped it in the bud. She didn't want that behavior to take place in God's house. And, you know, I'm not sure parents are fully aware of that kind of behavior today. And they just kind of let kids be kids. Uh, Duke Ellington, the Duke of Wellington said this about... Uh, The Duke of Wellington uh, said this about uh, families in the United States. The thing that impresses me most about America is the way parents obey their children. (laughs) You know what? Children need to be obeying their parents. James Dobson uh, wrote about an obnoxious, defiant uh, 10-year-old in one of his books. And I just want to read this story to you this morning as it pertains to this uh, subject. There was a 10-year-old named Robert. 
who was a patient of my good friend, Dr. William Stokner. Dr. Slokner said the pediatric staff dreaded the days when Robert was scheduled for an office visit. He literally attacked the clinic, grabbing instruments and files and telephones. His passive mother could do little more than shake her head in bewilderment. During one physical examination, Dr. Sloniker observed severe cavities in Robert's teeth and knew that the boy must be referred to a local dentist. But who would be given the honor? A referral like Robert could mean the end of a professional friendship. Dr. Sloniker eventually decided to send him to an older dentist who reportedly understood children. The confrontation that followed now stands as one of the classic moments in the history of human conflict. Robert arrived in the dental office prepared for battle. No chance, replied the boy, or the doctor said, get in the chair, young man, said the doctor. No chance, replied the boy, son, I told you to climb onto the chair, and that's what I intend for you to do, said the dentist. Robert stared at his opponent for a moment and then replied, If you make me get in that chair, I will take off all my clothes. The dentist calmly said, Son, take them off. The boy forthwith removed his shirt, undershirt, shoes, and socks, and then looked up in defiance. All right, son, said the dentist. Now get on the chair. You You didn't hear me, sputtered Robert. I said, if you make me get on that chair, I will take off all my clothes. Son, take them off, replied the man. Robert proceeded to remove his pants and shorts and finally stood totally naked before the dentist and the assistant. Now, son, get in the chair, said the doctor. Robert did as he was told and sat cooperatively through the entire procedure When the cavities were drilled and filled, he was instructed to step from the chair. Give me my clothes now, said the boy. I'm sorry, replied the dentist. Tell your mother we're going to keep your clothes tonight. She can pick them up tomorrow. Can you comprehend the shock Robert's mother received when the door to the waiting room opened and there stood her pink son as naked as the day he was born. The room was filled with patients, but Robert and his mom walked past them and into the hall, then went down a public elevator and into the parking lot, ignoring the snickers of the onlookers. The next day, Robert's mother returned to retrieve his clothes and asked to have a word with the dentist. However, she did not come to protest. These were her sentiments. You don't know how much I appreciate what happened here yesterday. You see, Robert has been blackmailing me about his clothes for years. Whenever we are in public, such as the grocery store, he makes unreasonable demands on me. And if I don't immediately buy him what he wants, he threatens to take off all his clothes. You are the first person who has called his bluff, doctor. And the impact on Robert has been incredible. (laughs) 
I'm not sure how that would go over today. But kids know how to blackmail mom and dad. And mom and dad don't give in. David avoided avoided confronting sin. He should have confronted Absalom. He should have confronted Amnon. And he did nothing about it. And the dysfunction continued. Mom and dad, your kids need your discipline. And there are some children whose parents are so permissive, they question whether mom or dad really do love them because there are no boundaries and they want boundaries. Give them boundaries. They need boundaries. They need discipline. The Bible says, don't look the other way when your children sin. Proverbs 13, 24 says, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves them is careful to discipline him. Proverbs 19, 18 says, discipline your son for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. So here we see David, David didn't avoid the sin of his children and David was never transparent with his kids. And the third thing we see that David avoided is David didn't ask God for help parenting. Nowhere in chapters 13 through 19 do we see David praying to God for God's guidance in David's life. Why? David prayed about a lot of things. But never in things related to parenting. Why? I think David is a reflection of of many of us here in this room. It's real easy for us as men, men as dads, to compartmentalize God. Yeah, we need God in in the work environment. Yeah, we need God in our finances. Yeah, we need God in difficult relationships. But dads, we need God and His wisdom in raising our kids as well. David didn't ask God for help. Let's not make that mistake. Deliberately include him in raising your children. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9 says, These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You need God in raising your family, in raising your children. And this is teaching them to depend on him as well as they have their own 
families. And then the final thing I want to share this morning, and it doesn't relate to David, but it relates to Absalom. Maybe maybe you're the, the child of a father, that father, a father may still be here, the father may be gone now. But you bear, you bear the scars of his parenting. Absalom bore the scars of David's parenting and it destroyed Absalom's life. Absalom couldn't forgive his father. Absalom saw David as the biggest hypocrite on the planet and tried to destroy his father and it ended up destroying Absalom. And what we can learn from Absalom's life this morning is forgive your dad. We don't know why David was as passive as he was when it came to his, to his parenting, to his family. And you don't know what, what has shaped your father's life. You, you don't know what happened in his child, childhood and how he processed things and it made him the man that he was in, in raising you. You don't know. And you need to have the attitude of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. who From the cross, as he was dying for your sin and mine, said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Sometimes your dad didn't know what he was doing or why he was doing it. Let him off the hook. Allow God to do a healing in your life. And so as we conclude this service this morning, let me just encourage you. When it comes to parenting, and some of you are, are just brand new to this, okay? And, and you haven't entered those... those uh, trying teenage years yet, but uh, you keep this message in the back of your mind. I promise you, there are going to be opportunities where you will have the blessing of humbling yourself making yourself vulnerable in the life of your children. Showing them that you're not perfect. And they know you're not perfect, but sometimes they think you think you're perfect. (laughs) But how God was faithful in your life, but what were the consequences of those poor choices that you made? And that will that will cast a huge shadow of influence over their life. Don't avoid sin. Sometimes parents 
are so permissive because they don't want their children not to love them. And so they turn the other cheek. Your children will respect you as you confront the misbehavior. In love. In love, not in anger. In love. Dads, you can't do this alone. You need God's help. There's no indication that David sought the help of God in parenting his family. God is there to help you. He's given you his Holy Spirit. Call upon him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for this passage of the Bible that is... uh, It's hard to talk about. And it's disconcerting. And here here was a, a man of God, a man after your own heart, God, who had all this dysfunction at home. I want to thank you for your grace. Lord, there's none of us here in this service this morning who are perfect, and we've all made mistakes, especially us dads. But it's amazing how love, how heartfelt love can cover a multitude of sin. And Father, if there's if there are fathers here this morning who've stumbled, it's not too late. And I thank you for your forgiveness and I thank you for the power of forgiveness in relationship with our children. And if there's something that we need to correct God this morning or sometime soon. I I pray that you would help us to do that. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being that perfect Father that we need and that we can depend on and that God that you can help us. Be who you want us to be. We love you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name.